Nutrition is remarkable in its ability to have people with completely opposite views saying they have science to support completely opposite views. Frustrating, isn't it? What are we supposed to believe? Welcome to Dynamism Biohacking. My name is Dr. Matt Hammett, wellness and nutrition expert, lifestyle trainer, and movement enthusiast. And each week, I'm going to share with you how to make the right nutritious choices despite conflicting expert opinions, where I help you to discover how to unlock your inner aborigine or your inner greatness. Thank you for spending this time with me today. So let's get into the training. Sue Carter is a researcher who devoted over 40 years of research into the effects of one single molecule, which she believes is at the heart and soul of human behavior and that of other species. This chemical, according to her 40 years of research, is the bonding agent that not only indigenous children receive for the first four or five years of life, their mothers and fathers possess it as well. The agent is oxytocin. Oxytocin and its close relative vasopressin are the biomolecules that perform a variety of vital functions over a long period of time, predating humans and even mammals. And that leads me to dynamism biohack, the bond. Dynamism is the enthusiastic quality or charism that dynamic people possess that characterizes them by their vigorous action and progress. They step outside that it's genetic cliche, the blame it, name it, and tame it with a drug approach into what I call true health. This is the health class your doctor doesn't know, the wellness prevention and health promotion solution, how to get and stay well for a lifetime. That's dynamism. Oxytocin can be called the hormone of love. And one function of oxytocin is to stimulate cells in the heart muscle to release a chemical messenger. In other words, oxytocin makes the heart capable of love. Oxytocin molecules are molecules of love. They are ultimately the neurotransmitters of those warm feelings that make us feel relaxed kind, and helpful toward others. Now, oxytocin is not the molecular equivalent of love. It has a complex neurochemical system which allows the body to adapt to emotional situations. And these neural networks in the brain allow social interactions between the delicate structures within the brain and the autonomic nervous system in a changing and dynamic environment during the lifespan of an individual. Another biomolecule associated with the bond is vasopressin, which has shared functions, but not the same actions as oxytocin. To try to explain the vast difference would be time-consuming because they have many components of a part of a integrated neural networks with many intersectional points throughout biology. 
Evolutionary biologists believe that vasopressin is an ancient chemical which existed when all life was contained primarily in the water or oceans. This beginning makes its fundamental properties necessary to regulate the flow of water from inside to out of the organisms. The regulations effect of vasopressin's most important function began a millennia ago and is still present today, even amongst the terrestrials, including humans. In the late 1970s, Carter became known for her research in characterizing the role of oxytocin and vasopressin in the neurobiology of monogamy and love. She first began her work not with humans, but prairie voles, a mouse-like species from the grasslands and North American ecosystems. Prairie voles were interesting to biologists especially evolutionary biologists, because they seemed to be going through a reproduction, kind of a crash and burn cycle. They had a population explosion followed by population crashes, and researchers wanted to find out why. So an exciting discovery amongst this particular species was that they were very social. And this particular interest in social behavior came in observation amongst their little vole society. The researchers noticed something different and an uncommon practice among mammals. They paired each other up and had a one lifetime partner. Sounds human. <laughs> a bond between a single male and a single female. Researchers, well, they theorized how this relationship occurred, both from an evolutionary biology perspective and a genetic perspective. And for Carter... Well, she knew it was social interactions that are driving these aspects of behavior, even for the prairie voles. It, but it wasn't until the late 1980s when the advent of new techniques and medical tools for analyzing DNA that the depth of this story finally emerged. Before these discoveries, most researchers blamed genetics. Sounds familiar? <laughs> Yeah, they blamed genetics for this trait of the voles and even labeled it the selfish gene. Sounds really familiar. <laughs> Meaning that evolution selects for genes that maintain themselves and so selects for individuals that ensure perpetuation of their genes over those of others. We've all heard that story. However, the new technology... And the DNA analysis painted a very different picture. Go figure. Well, they discovered that the outward appearance of monogamous voles might be the evidence of the genes of volpups, demonstrated when different male partners were introduced and about half of the pups were not of their genetic makeup. Moreover, this discovery proved true across the animal kingdom, especially among birds, for which monogamy is far more widespread. So let me clarify this finding. It is suggesting that the mates prefer a marriage of convenience, but they are not sexually monogamous. What this evidence means is that we are not describing sexual behavior. We are witnessing an adaptation based on reproduction. In other words, it represents a social adaptation that is indeed useful and ensuring the next generation. The male vole chooses to stay with the female 
for life. Even though half of the litter does not biologically belong to him, he decides to remain as if all the pups biologically belong to him. It seems to make stable social arrangements for the community of the prairie voles and most of the animal kingdom. So, monogamy is not a physical attribute, but a behavior trait. The evidence was saying that this behavior was innate and not learned. Of course, no one knows for certain, because scientists are just unsure. But Carter simply noticed the vole society started to resemble that of humans and does not understand where that attribution originated. She believes that the voles have a social system resembling humans, often noting in her research about long-lasting bonds, two parents taking care of young, incest avoidance, and extended families, just like a human society. Monogamy is an interesting trend that is common among all social animals, even bugs. Most bees go through their life without mating, which is right for the prairie voles. Carter calls this stage of life a pre-buteral stage, although, you know, in humans that's considered to be pre-puberty, right? Although biologists have discovered that with the right mate, that intimate spark could immediately change things. And Carter and the other biologists have found that each half of the young couple finds the other by chance while they are still in that prepubertal state. But the encounter itself triggers a response in each that looks very much like going through puberty. The male especially is transformed in a matter of hours from a clueless state to a focused partnership that lasts for life. Carter's research discovered that the biomolecule responsible for this transformation was oxytocin in the female and vasopressin in the male, or the binding chemicals. So what are these binding chemicals? Today there are hundreds of laboratory worldwide advancing the work of Carter, focusing on this one single chemical. And one of the early moments of this research with the binding chemicals involved giving oxytocin to species such as rats. And males of this species do not stick around after the kids are born helping out mom. In other words, (laughs) these males, these rats, are inclined to be just what they are. Rats. You know any human rats? (laughs) However, the oxytocin-dosed rats adopted monogamous habits, including taking care of the young. And this experiment was also done on their nearest relative, in the prairie voles, and found that the oxytocin dose enhanced their brain to feel the effects of the oxytocin with the same behavior shifts as the rats. So to date, oxytocin research has discovered that these biomolecules have a role in birth, lactation, and even sexual attraction. It also showed the role in bonding between mothers and young rats and sheep. In the book, The Moral Molecule, the authors look at this chemical and discusses its implication for autism research. And keep in mind, autism is characterized by a lack of social ability that seems at the center of oxytocin. Oxytocin enhances capacity to recognize faces and other social skills like understanding emotions. A 2013 issue of Science Magazine jumped on the oxytocin bandwagon 
with an article. Let me grab that. Here is the article. It says this. Few substances produced by the human body have inspired as much hoopla as oxytocin. Recent newspaper articles have credited this hormone with promoting the kind of teamwork that wins World Cup soccer championships and suggested that supplements of the peptide could have prevented the um, that could have prevented the dalliances and subsequent downfall of a particularly high-ranking U.S. intelligent official. Although the breathless media coverage often goes too far, it reflects a genuine and infectious excitement among many scientists about the hormone's role in social behavior. Well, I hope you are smarter than to go down this road of frenzy big pharma because we have gone down this road toward the allure of the magic bullet before with their rat studies of single pathway solutions. Even Carter feels that making a drug out of oxytocin is arrogant and stupid. Dr. John Rady, author of Gold Wild, he tells us that vasopressin, the other biomolecule, is what gives us the ability to persist during hunting. And as David Carrier explains, is why humans were born to run. In fact, modern bushmen still do persistent hunting in the desert. They often do it without drinking water due to their vasopressin. Even today, we can observe groups of men who hunt and women who go on day-long gathering trips. They take nothing more than an ostrich eggshell full of water. And that lasts the whole day. And that's all done under the desert sun. The Bushmen would run full days during a hunt in scorching heat in that desert heat on an amount of water that some people advise modern runners to drink every half hour. The data is demonstrating to us that the advice to drink lots of water during a run, well, it might be wrong. And South African researcher Tim Noakes, well, he shows that Runners who were the most dehydrated after marathon length races tended to win. Of course, I would not recommend, you know, not drinking water during a race because of Noakes research, but use common sense. Interestingly, it demonstrated that no one in his studies suffered medical problems from dehydration, while those who drank the recommended amount of water or sports drinks often suffered severe consequences from too much water. Some even died. In the desert, the Bushmen were able to conserve water in their body because during extreme levels of heat, a cascade of biomolecules, especially oxytocin and vasopressin, well, it's triggered. And this causes the runner's body to conserve water. Perhaps Noakes' research suggests that the the deaths in modern-day marathons are the result of our thinking that we need to stay hydrated during the race. They did not realize that you could not override the body's evolutionary design. You know, I hope you figured out the bottom line by now. Instead of trying to use rat science in a theory conceived by single pathways solutions for a synthetic oxytocin, or a synthetic vasopressin designed in a nasal spray by Big Pharma and prescribed by your medical doctor, you have an innate option to bypass the dangerous side effects caused by these things, right? 
Again, after they attempt to extrapolate the data from a rat and suggest a synthetic dose out of a magician's rabbit hat, when you can simply exercise, you do see that, I hope. Exercise. (laughs) Best of all, going for a run doesn't cost you a thing, not a thing. Mother Nature is at her best and she's free. Movement plus the bonding is how you receive your emotional well-being. See, there are many benefits of exercise, but for our story, we're talking tiny movement. How tiny movement counts most. And social bonding and emotional well-being. And by the way, when we engage in, you know, this type of exercise, we engage in just the right balance of oxytocin and vasopressin, along with an entire host of biomolecules that modern medicine doesn't even know the first thing about. Carter and the other researchers in Vols discovered that the monogamy effects were triggered not just by oxytocin, but the right balance of oxytocin and vasopressin. That balance is species dependent. Like most of the biochemistry of species, recall our uh, training on the species-wide concept. If you haven't heard that, I advise you to go back and listen to that training on the species-wide concept. In other words, for your big pharma lovers, there is no straightforward dose-dependent response to oxytocin. There is no rule that says more oxytocin yields better behavior or sexual attraction or whatever ecstasy you wish to achieve. Oxytocin and vasopressin are molecules that carry a signal of many functions. There are receptors in the brain unique to each molecule, and the number and efficacy of these receptors have much to do with how the brain reads and accomplishes the effects necessary to get these neuropeptides working to regulate the mind. So, metal male voles, which innately do not behave in a monogamous state like their cousins, the prairie voles, were synthetically engineered to behave in a monogamous fashion in a laboratory for research. So again, they're not found that way in wild, right? However, They were not able to do this simply by increasing the level of oxytocin naturally. So the scientists generally, or genetically engineered the receptors in the brain, and that amplified the levels of oxytocin. And oxytocin is a universal chemical invertebrate life, but differences among species behaviors are due in part to variations in receptors, not levels of oxytocin. This line of research has led scientists to theorize that this is why the trait of monogamy is not a neat linear progression through, you know, evolutionary family trees, but rather sprouts up from time to time. Genes that build these receptors switch on and off like toggle switches. And let me tell you, this pathway is just one example of millions of others I could find. Like I said, Health is a continuum, and it is dynamic. What looks great on paper and research is never the reality. 
for the simple fact that everything we are works in harmony together and that dynamic interplay is as numerous as the stars in the sky. Carter, who is considered the world's expert on just these two biomolecules, has spent more than 40 years of her life and even inspired hundreds of laboratories filled with thousands of PhDs who are studying just these two biomolecules because of the fortune Big Pharma may achieve from this drug. Can you understand why it is so much smarter to invest in research that mimics Mother Nature and adopts a lifestyle for human beings not suffering from major chronic illness? Do you see why the answer to our diseases of civilization, our chronic disease pandemic, is in prevention? It is a strategy we can all follow, not because we extrapolated data from prairie voes and and other lab-bred rats or genetic-engineered rats that aren't found that way in wild or or in the nature at all, (laughs) but because healthy humans have been doing it for thousands of years, we want to understand what they're doing and mimic the lifestyle of our ancient aborigine. We want to tap into and respect our inner aborigine. You don't need years of nutrition and diet books to do this. It's inborn within you. Find out what they are doing. Copy that way of life. I think at this point in this training, most get that. But I am still surprised at those that just do not get it. We have people so caught up in the magic bullet pill theory. Even educators and doctors yet to date None of these magic bullets can cure a thing, except for antibiotics, and those have been overused, causing superbugs that no no longer responds to antibiotics. In any case, back to our story. Yes, exercise or sexual attraction to another triggers spikes in oxytocin, and genes do play a role. In part, genes control the number of receptors. And that idea is why Carter is maddened by the current simplistic line of research, which says all we need to do is spray a bit of synthetic oxytocin up your nose to provoke a lifetime of wellness. Guys, move and exercise. Please, just do it. (laughs) Her causation is based on valid research. Let me tell you, My causation for the thesis for the five pillars of a dynamic health is not my opinion, but based on valid scientific research. And again, this line of big pharma thinking or spinning what scientists are doing to what big pharma may pressure someone into is a huge controversy. And it happens every day in science. Lighten up, move better, and live fuller. If you are a current patient in our office, I love you. Thank you so much for your confidence in us. If you are not a patient, I certainly would love to meet you someday. Go to our website, newlifefamilychiropractic.net, and 
also, I just want to remind everyone that we got the same 24 hours in a day. I'm no busier than you are, but if your goal is to live a happier, healthier, and fuller life, you've got to learn to manage yourself. And that means managing your movement, which drives your energy. When we better manage our energy, we're better able to be more present and vibrant and enjoy our life. We're better able to manage our five pillars of a dynamic health. You deserve a life that is peaceful, that is balanced, that is happy, where you have tons of good health. The health that you need, the health that is on demand when you need it most. You see, because health doesn't come to you, it comes from you. It is a fruit that is grown and earned. And I know we all heard the genetic cliche, the blame it, name it, and tame it with a drug approach. But the truth is, the solution doesn't lie with more drugs and surgeries. The solution lies with you. You know it's not so much of a healthcare crisis as it is a self-care crisis in our world today. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I love you. I love hearing from you. So don't forget to reach out to me. Let me know what you thought about this episode. Do so by whatever is your favorite social media platform. Send me a message there. Let me know that you listened to this episode and what you thought of it. And as always, I appreciate it in advance anyone who is kind enough to write a review. That is the ultimate gift. I appreciate you very much for that. I love spending this time with you. I'm Dr. Matt Hammett reminding you to lighten up, move better, and live fuller. Until next, Dynamism Biohack.